He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to Season 2 of Not Your Average Cricket Show, where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. I'm Zoe George. And I'm Justin Gregory. We're following all the action from the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup in England. We're going to be bringing you analysis, cricket puns, local legends, cricket-related current affairs and guest hosts every week during the tournament. You can join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pops app or email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And of course, you can listen to us on the RNZ app. Now, this is the first show of the second season and it's the very beginning of the Cricket World Cup. So, of course, we're going to put in our predictions for the tournament. We're going to dissect the pools a bit and then ask the public a few tricky cricket questions. During the women's ICC T20, we ran a swear jar, a dollar every time a player, commentator or one of us referred to the players as girls, ladies, batsmen, just patronising. Yeah, and if he'd paid up, Nasser Hussain would have made us both pretty rich. But how do we run a swear jar this time, Zoe? Do we do actual swears? Or maybe every time a member of the public tells you that you don't know anything about cricket? Yeah, particularly if it's men. Happens. Oh, I'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> can just remove that one. <laughs> Today's co-host. She's one of the most powerful players in the international scene, having been selected for the White Ferns at just 17. Most recently, she's been smashing the ball all around the park in India. She's back in New Zealand for a few weeks before heading off again. Sophie Devine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And our other co-host is a former minor county cricketer and RNZ journo, Ben Strang. Sorry, Ben, not as impressive intro for you. It's fine, I don't mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be here anyway. Yeah, that was a bummer of an intro, wasn't it? Never mind. <laughs> Sophie, um, you've just come back from the Women's IPL uh, tournament, the second ever in India. What's it like playing in front of those size crowds? Yeah, look, it's fantastic. I think we've seen with the men's IPL over there, the crowds are just something else. It's sort of, you almost have to go there to understand the, the level of excitement within the crowd. So to be able to play, especially the finals in front of 15,000, I think it was, was, was pretty special. And you got away with it in the final. You got congratulations on the win. I was with Leah Tahuhu, yeah, who, oh, who popped her shoulder out. Did shoulder come out? Well, no. All I saw was her running off the field um, at the end of the game, sort of holding her shoulder. I thought, what's going on there? And didn't find out till later that she'd popped it out. We thought she must have collided with someone, taken that next run or something happened. But to find out that she did it celebrating, she's never going to live that down. <laughs> hey, so two World Cups, one T20 World Cup. Experience is going to be everything at these big kind of competitions, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, you know, not saying that bilateral series aren't important, but to be able to perform on the world's biggest stage with the best teams, you know, it does. It takes experience and it takes a real skill, whether that's physically, tactically, um, but mentally in particular, I think. To be, the ability to consistently perform at that stage is, is what's going to, I guess, make the difference in this tournament. Do you remember the time when you cracked that, those mental skills? Uh, no, still working on that actually, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't had any success at World Cup, so I, I don't think I'm really qualified to, to say that yet. But look, I think watching a lot of cricket and, and sort of talking with a lot of players that have cracked it, I guess, um, it's different for everyone um, because I think everyone's cricket experience is different. How you go about it is going to be completely different. So it's, it's an interesting one. Have you ever spoken to it about with people like, I don't know, Meg Lanning, who does seem like she's rather cracked the mental side of the game? What does she, what does she say about it? Not so much Meg Lanning. Elise Perry, I've, I've played mm. a fair bit of cricket both with and against, and she is ultimate professional, and she's someone that 
will do absolutely everything within her power to to I guess change the change the outcome of a game. Um, she loves to be in control, and I think for her it's harder for her to be on the sideline watching than it is to be out in the park. So for her it's about what can she do and make sure, in particular, her preparation is, is you know she doesn't leave any stones unturned to make sure that she's ready to go. White fins. What's up next for for the white fins? Not a lot, which is actually quite surprising. It doesn't happen too often these days internationally, but we actually don't have anything confirmed until next year. Really? Yeah, which is a bit uh, odd. Um, it's it's different, but it's, we've got to look at the positives. There's a lot of camps going on at the moment down at Lincoln at the HPC there, which is fantastic. It gives us the opportunity to go back to basics, which I think is really important for this group moving forward. We've got two World Cups coming up in the next two years, so it's a great chance for us to build some foundations and, and move forward. But, yeah, look, we, we always would want to be playing more cricket, but at this stage we've only got... Um, things locked in for early next year. And what's happening with the coaching? Because Haiti is Tiffin is no longer there, and you had Bob Carter in Australia. Yeah, look, Haiti um, decided to step aside. She's not going to reapply for that head coach job, and and Bob um, was placed in the interim to come with us to Australia, and was fantastic. He uh, really brought the group together during quite a tough time, I think, for everyone involved, and and he showed his experience. I think of. You know, just being able to pull the group together without having much experience of women's cricket, I think he'd say as well. But he, he did a great job. At the end of the day, we, we all play cricket, don't we? It doesn't matter if it's male, female, whoever. He was um, he was fantastic. So, yeah, look, I think applications must be opening soon and, and that whole process will, will be going through with New Zealand cricket and hopefully, you know, in the next couple of months we'll, we'll have a full, you know, full head coach support staff in place. You were speaking just a moment ago about the wanting to play more cricket. What's the likelihood of the White Ferns getting a test any time soon? Oh, don't get me started on this because I'll probably cry. <laughs> oh, um, go on, go on. <laughs> oh, look, I'd absolutely love... Every single player that I've spoken to would absolutely love to play a test match. Um, I think the last one we played was 2005, and Katie Martin, I think, is the only one who has played a test match that's currently still in the squad. But, yeah, look, we'd love to play a game. I know Susie Bates did an interview over in India, actually, and spoke about the Ashes series that the women are playing um, later this year where they play three 2020s, three one-days, and a test match. Imagine if that was how every series worked between countries. I just think that's a fantastic idea. You know, you get experience of all the formats, and I guess we sort of speak about maybe, you know, with South Africa almost starting like a... Tri Nations, Bledisloe Cup, sort of, you know, build that rivalry because that really is what I guess catches the attention of, of the audience, of the fans. But look, yeah, I know all of us would just absolutely love to play a Test match. Oh, we'd love to see it happen too. And you're right, big competitions to be appealing, they have to have a story attached to them. Mm. And what's a better story in cricket than the Ashes? You know, the men's or the women's Ashes. Let's let's make the story happen. Yeah, oh, look, well, I'll, we'll keep pushing from the inside. If you guys keep pushing from the outside, we'll hopefully might see some changes someday. Absolutely. Ben, how many World Cups have you been to? Uh, zero so far, um, but it's never too late, Zoe, as you know. Uh, maybe if I work on the bowling. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Or that good forward drive that you're known for, maybe? I think it would take a bit more than a, uh, my, my straight shots, yeah, I think. Um, no, uh, maybe I'll attend as a journalist one day. That would be nice. Uh, but, uh, no, it's just going to be exciting to watch uh, how this New Zealand team performs Um there's a few question marks, I suppose, going into this one. So, uh, yeah, uh, probably away from the field as much as on it. So it'll be uh, very interesting to see how the players uh, respond to that and, and play um, on pretty similar to home conditions in England. So 
Um, if you're after a good location, it should be a pretty good one for New Zealand. Mm. Have Have both of you played early season cricket in England? <laughs> I certainly have. Uh, if you want to see very green, soft wickets, you go and play a pre-season game in England at the end of April. Um, it's dicey, very dicey. Yeah, it's, um, it's not good, is it? The no. woolly jumpers, you're putting on the vest, the, the full sleeve, the short sleeve, everything to try to keep warm. Cup of tea is important. That's right. The, <laughs> the only respite is they put on far better teas than anything you'll ever get here in New Zealand. So you've got the tea, the coffee, the scones, the <laughs> sandwiches. Uh, it's Lunch is the highlight uh, of early season cricket in England. <laughs> Sophie's nodding. I can vouch for that. <laughs> Having said that, I don't know if you guys have been following the Pakistan-England series of late. Those pitches look like absolute roads. The pace bowlers are going the distance. Every time someone connects, the ball flies. Spinners are doing quite well. Spinners might be the story of this World Cup. Yeah, it could be. I think it's interesting. It's that balance of, you know, it's great cricket wickets, but as well short boundaries. Some of those grounds, Nottingham, Trent Bridge is renowned for having a really short side and I think they were talking about scoring 500 in a one day, which Whoa. I think that's maybe another couple of years away yet, but I think when you you really do have to find that balance because poor bowlers, I mean I'm putting my bowling hat on here, you just feel sorry for them when they're getting tapped going seven, eight, nine runs and over in a 50 over match. You sort of thought that was 2020 cricket, you could sort of yeah. park that but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. That is one thing about the spin bowling, though, I think, is 2020, uh, a long time ago when it was introduced, people thought that it was going to be the death of spin bowling, but it's actually been like a new life for spin bowling. Uh, some of the best bowlers in the world are spinners because they can somehow go at six and over rather than eight, and that's um, that's maybe what we will see at this World Cup is spinners. I'd like to see spinners bowl more at like the death or something like that because I think in 2020 they've proved that they can restrict more and pace bowlers at times. So maybe we'll see some innovations like that at a World Cup in this 2019. Hopefully will. And, of course, the Men's Cricket World Cup starts next weekend with New Zealand's first game against Sri Lanka, Saturday, June the 1st, uh, in Cardiff. England and South Africa are going to open the tournament on Thursday at the Oval. What do we think about that game? looks like a... I mean, we can't imagine England losing, can we? Well, you'd hope not for their sake. I think home World Cup, you sort of want to put the tournament off to a great start and it's a tough one. South Africa are a great side. They've got a lot of threats throughout their side and, yeah, geez, it, it's a humbling to start the tournament, that's for sure, especially at the Oval too. I mean, England have been playing a, a really quite frightening form of cricket for the last few years and in particular this last um, series against Pakistan. They will, they will chase down anything. No total seems too big for that size. For seems that side. like an average score of 350 is on the cards for England no matter what happens. It's very scary the the way they're performing and then they're bringing in guys like Jofra Archer who's now available and he's an absolute freak um, <laughs> they're only smooth, adding relaxed, extra bowling run up bowling at 90 miles per hour without any apparent effort yeah terrifying. you can hit a ball onto the roof of any stadium in the world as well it's uh yeah, yeah they're, they're only going to get stronger for the tournament it seems so it's uh they're a very frightening side you look at a team like South Africa, there's Fafta Plessé, there's Quinton de Kock, Hashim Amla, JP Dumini, Dale Stane, Kagiso Rabada, and you think, how can a team like this not be one of the favourites for the tournament? But they're not, certainly not in my book. They were almost a little bit like the, the Black Caps in a sense that they sort of can't break that hoodoo of getting through to the final. Obviously the semi-final at the last World Cup was pretty special for New Zealand and, and South Africa was spoken a lot about that mental side they haven't broken through yet. Um, so maybe that's sort of playing like this monkey on their back a little bit, just sort of can they get through and win that, even to the final for, for their sake. I agree, but do you know who the great World Cup chokers are? Oh. 
England. Do you know how many finals they've been in and semi-finals they've been in? They even started the World Cup competition. They've never won in more than 40 years. I reckon England deserves that tag, not South Africa. But this is, I mean, it's looking like England's year, surely. I mean, all the everything's in their favour, isn't it? Home World Cup, the way they're performing. Um, but like you say, it could just take one game when it's a knockout and it's all over. Mm. Um, and you wouldn't put it past... You know, a team like New Zealand or, or you know, um, the West Indies getting up in a big game like that and, and knocking over someone you didn't expect. So I, I do think I expect them to make the knockout stages and then you just see how they deal with their nerves because uh, if they're anything like their football team, they might just turn up and, and be a new breed. Who knows? And they're playing at the Oval. Uh, Sophie, you must have been to the Oval a few times over the years. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, it's a great ground. It's sort of a bit quirky, a little bit. Sort of got a little bit of the history, but also the newish side to it. I think, especially with some of the stands there. But yeah, there's so many great grounds over in the UK that I think it's going to be awesome to see how games go across the country. Mm. And it's interesting that New Zealand's playing in Cardiff. Who knew? Yeah, again, that's a sort of a funny shaped ground from what I remember. It's a very long square of the wicket, I think. They've got massive boundaries. So, yeah, it's interesting. And that's the great thing about England as well is I guess it's a little bit like Australia. You know, you've got different pitches, different conditions in each part of the country. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out throughout the tournament. Would have loved to see them play somewhere like on one of those county grounds in Kent where there's a tree in the middle of the ground. <laughs> yeah. If it hits the tree, it's six. <laughs> I like that rule. <laughs> Normally at about this stage we'd be looking at the two different pools and saying, God, that pool looks a bit tough, that one looks a little bit easier. But because of the round-robin nature of this tournament, everybody plays everybody. How do we feel about that? I think it's a good format. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it it really puts pressure on. You have to beat the best to to win the tournament, which I think it should Mm. be about. So, look, it does mean that the competition is quite long, um, but I think it is. It's it's going to make some really entertaining cricket and some really interesting match-ups as well. Well, let's uh, move on. Recently, I attended the International Work Group's Captain's Lunch and was able to fire some quick-fire questions at attendees about the World Cup and the Black Caps. Where's the World Cup? The Men's World Cup? Yeah. In England. In England. <laughs> Who's going to win? New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> Can you name four Black Caps? Yes, but do I have to do it now? <laughs> no. Who's the captain of the Black Caps? At the moment, it's Kane Williamson. Williamson. Yeah. Yep. Kane Williamson. Who do you think is going to win the Cricket World Cup? Australia. Do you know where it is this year? No, I don't. Do you know who the captain of New Zealand is? No, I don't. Who's the captain of the New Zealand men's cricket team? I don't know. The only cricketer I can say is Brendan McCullum. I don't even know if he still plays. So let's, that, there you go. Do you know where the Cricket World Cup is this year? Um, no, let's say it's in India. Uh, and uh, who's going to win the Cricket World Cup? England. Yeah, who's the captain of the Black Caps? <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot now. Williamson. Yeah. Kane. Kane Williamson, yeah. Chet, that's right. Whereabouts is the Cricket World Cup? Hmm, some interesting responses there. Not many people knew who the captain of the Black Caps were or who was gonna win the World Cup or where the World Cup was. So that's okay, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, Sophie. How about you? Who's gonna win? 
Uh, look, we've spoken a lot about England. I think they're always going to be a threat at home. And the way that they've been playing their one-day cricket the last couple of years, it's not just the last 12 months, it's the last two, three years. Mm. They've had a really stable team and that um, builds confidence within the side when you've got players that have performed consistently and they've really settled down in their positions. But I think India as well are always going to be a side where any team with Virat Kohli in it is going to be a threat. And look, Australia as well, I think. Obviously, being over the IPL and, and seeing the way both Steve Smith and Davey Warner were going about it. Mm. I mean, teams are talking about 500. I think if a team's going to do it, that Australia could potentially go that way as well. Well, Steve Smith and, and David Warner have something to prove following their sandpaper scandal. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they go and, and whether they step up or they choke. I imagine they'll step up. The, yeah. You know, Steve Smith is an absolute class act and he doesn't seem to have lost anything by leaving a year out. Um, it's this Australian team, which I think is the one that will go closest to stopping England from winning. Um, I do wonder who might be a surprise package and, and I always think of, you know, New Zealand could perhaps be a surprise package, but I look at a team like the West Indies, I think I mentioned before, they just seem to rock up to tournaments, especially in England, and somehow put everything together. And when you have someone like Chris Gale, um, if you are chasing 350, you just, you'd back yourself. If Chris Gale gets going for 20 overs, there's 100 plus gone already. Um, yeah, and he's the young guys step up. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I'm backing India. Yeah? Yeah, I'm backing India. The the experience of the team, I was looking through the list of, you know, the, the number of ODIs they've played, the ages of the team. They, they, they're getting a bit elderly, admittedly, but again, it's that <laughs> it's that experience thing. And you've got to imagine that this is the last World Cup for MS Dhoni. He's not going to want to go home without the without the cup. Mm. Virat Kohli is one of those special players who, when it's needed, he turns up. And you know, with someone like Jaspreet Bumrah in the in the bowling lineup too, that's a formidable team. And they're playing better in England these days than they have been traditionally. And of course, England is where they won their World Cup in 1983. So I'm backing India. Mm, that's very interesting. Well, okay, let's dissect the New Zealand team. How do we think the New Zealanders are going to go? You need about six wins, wins don't you, to make the semi-finals, um, yeah. roughly. So um, it's clear they're going to have to knock over a South Africa or an Australia or an India, maybe England, to to make it, unless there's some big upsets elsewhere. So. Well, we've got There's a nice some... build-up. We, we, we place Sri Lanka first, then Bangladesh, then Afghanistan, and then we start getting into games like against India and so on and so forth. So I think it's it's a pretty good run to try and build up momentum and build up skills. What do you think, Sophie? Yeah, I do. It's sort of a funny one that you say that about sort of building into it, but those mm. sort of games can be a little bit banana skin games. Mm. Where, not that you'd ever take any team easily, in a, especially in a World Cup, but you look at Afghanistan and Rashid Khan, talking yeah. about spin bowlers, he's the best bowler in the world at the moment, hands mm. down, doesn't matter what format you're playing, he is just he's a freak, as you say, he is an absolute freak, the way he can control the ball and, and his deception especially with his, with his googly, so yeah, look, I think it, it's, they're going to pose some challenges to the to the black caps, I think a lot's going to depend on how the, the engine room of the batting side goes, I think. You look at Ross Taylor, Kane Williamson. If they can score a bulk of the runs, I think they're going to need a few runs to to be able to defend it, I think, with a bowling attack. And against high-quality spin like Rashid, you especially need someone like Williamson to step up because some of the other guys haven't showed that they're particularly good against spin bowling. Um, Ross Taylor's all right on his day, whack it into the 
any, any ground, you know, out of any ground in the world. But um, yeah, you'd need Kane Williamson or someone like that to step up against those sorts of bowlers. Henry Nichols is a good player of spin, but he's not an explosive player of spin. I think it's interesting as well as you talk about playing against spin, and, and I agree, Henry Nichols is a great player of spin, especially subcontinent, but mm. playing spin in England is a different challenge again. You look mm. at the green, traditionally green, sort of seamer-friendly wickets, how's that going to play? Is there going to be a bit more bounce? Is there you know, going to skid on a little bit more? It's sort of those challenges are going to be interesting to see how spin will play a part in the in the tournament. Because yeah, Henry Nichols loves to play that sweep shot and that sort yeah. of thing, and if it's skidding on a bit, then it's... All of a sudden, there's an LBW shout there, and some of these guys are just like you say with Rashid. Um, you slip a googly through, and and it's all over. These these guys are terrific bowlers, and one tiny error on a pitch like the ones they're going to see, and it's a completely different game. What about our two spinners, Mitchell Santner and Ish Sodi? You've got one who's a containing bowler, one who's a bit more expensive but takes wickets. That seems like a good mix to me. But what does it do to our batting lineup if we play both of them? Yeah, it's always interest, interesting the balance of the side and how they're going to work then. I think that's going to be really important is, is how they look at the wickets and, and making those decisions. I know that was something that Mike Hesson was fantastic. It was the analysis, not just of the team, mm. the opposition, but also the grounds and what's required because, again, each each ground might be really different. You might not actually want to play any spinners on a, on a ground which looks green, seamer-friendly, bounce. So I think that's going to be really important is how they... Yeah, analyse each wicket and how they're going to use them because, yeah, I mean, it could be could be different with not only the ground but also the opposition too. Mm. Well, speaking of batting and team lineups, former Black Cap Peter Fulton has been named to replace Craig McMillan as the Black Caps batting coach and Fulton will take over after the World Cup. And he joins us now to talk batting and batting and maybe some more batting. Peter, welcome and congratulations on your appointment. What will you be looking at closely during this World Cup? Oh, I mean, I guess, um, yeah, I guess probably, I guess just watching the games, you know, in every aspect with a little bit more, I guess, um, a little bit more focused than what I would have been normally. Um, you know, I watch quite a lot of cricket as it is, but um, but yeah, obviously now I've got a, a slightly different focus and probably just going to be a little bit more um, in depth, um, just like I say, in, in all areas really than, than what, what, what I might have been a few months ago. It's Justin Gregory here, Peter. How you doing? Is there much of a handover process from Craig McMillan to you? Uh, well, I think I think what's I think what's going to happen. I've, I've spoken to to Craig already, and and we're going to catch up um, once once the team gets back to New Zealand after the World Cup, and and we'll go through I guess that sort of handover or whatever you like to call it. And I guess it's just you know also mindful that um, you know every every coach is, is different and every every player is different. So still still trying to I guess go in with an open mind. Um, as, as well as learn as much as I can. Peter, um, what are you looking at regarding particularly the top order from, from the Black Caps during the, the World Cup? And what advice would you give them right now? Well, I think it's, there's, there's a lot, been a lot of talk about how high scoring the games are going to be and um, you know, how you're gonna, teams are going to need to score sort of 300 plus you know, to be competitive, which, which I think at times will, will be true. It's also just about reading the situation. So from New Zealand's batting, I think in that regard, hopefully we've got a we've got a good balance. We've got enough guys who can score quickly, but but also some guys who can read the situation and, and actually say, well, today it's actually about scoring maybe 270, 280, not that 350 plus, um, you know, that other teams have been scoring. Your appointment as batting coach has come as a bit of a surprise to some people. What's your background in coaching? 
well, I've obviously you know retired um, a couple of years ago. I probably was you know getting involved in coaching, even just helping out younger guys in the, in the Canterbury team. Um, probably the last two or three years of, of, of my playing career, uh, and since I finished, I've been the batting coach for the New Zealand Under Nineteen team. I was the was the head coach for the New Zealand Under Nineteens for this the World Cup, which is coming up in January of, of next year. Um, and I also helped out um, this year at Canterbury in the in the T20 campaign as I guess as a as a bit, as an assistant coach. So yeah, like I said, I've um, I've been I've been doing you know a wee bit since I finished playing. Um, but look, I think I think from my point of view, um, I think I think coaching you know it's it's constantly changing. Um, and I think in you know in a, in a role like uh, you know the Black Caps batting coach at, at international level. Um, you know, it's more about facilitating um, those conversations with players and, 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 and trying to help them actually work out how they want to play um, as opposed to, to standing there and, and, and dictating how someone wants to play, which is probably, you know, how coaching used to work, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Uh, there's been some interesting commentary on your appointment. Hamish Bidwell, in an article for Radio New Zealand, uh, said that your appointment was a job for the boys. What's what's your thoughts on that? Oh, look, I mean, I, I know from playing international cricket, um, you know, people, everyone's going to have an opinion out there. Um, you know, I do it myself when I'm you know, sitting at the pub having a beer with my mates and you're talking about rugby or league or cricket or, you know, whatever it might be, um, everyone's going to have their opinion. Um, jobs for the boys, I mean, well, you know, like I say, I've I've played, um, you know, I've played a fair bit of international cricket, um, played 15, 16 years of, you know, of first-class cricket. So um, if I'm if I'm not sort of qualified to... You know, to know what I'm talking about um, in terms of cricket, then you know, like I said, I'm not too too sure what else I could do. Hey Peter, it's Ben Strang here. Uh, you sort of touched on it before. Um, how much do you think of of coaching these days is more the mental side of the game and preparing batsmen, giving them freedom to to play their role rather than the actual physical forward defence and that sort of thing? Oh, look, I think at interna- international level, I think it's you know the majority of the job. You know, I think it doesn't matter who you are. If you if um, if you think you're going to come in and and try and tell Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor um, how to play a cover drive or a forward defence, um, then you're probably not going to get too far. Um, and at, at international level, it's all about um, well, the, the best players, in my opinion, um, are the ones that can go out and play the same way regardless of the situation. So they don't let those external things, the situation of the game, the pressure. Um, you know what? What the fans or the media are saying, they can just go out and, like I said, watch the ball and play it on its merit. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely something I'm going to have a, I guess, a, a, you know, a big focus on. What about at the other end of the spectrum? Say a number nine or a number ten comes to you and says, "Look, I'm contributing well with um, with the ball, obviously, but I'd really love to sort of step up my batting." How do you approach that? Oh well, I think it's that's at, 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 in that situation, it's a little bit more of the opposite. Really, it's you can be a little bit more directive. Not so much necessarily in terms of technique, um, although you know there'll, there'll always be technical things guys are wanting to work on. But um, yeah, I, I think for in the, in the case of the New Zealand team, I think some of the some of the lower order batsmen have actually got you know quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of ability with the bat. Um, you know, and again, it's about it's about working out you know how do you actually construct an innings? Um, what's your role? Is it to 
is it to occupy the crease and, and hold up an end for the for the guy at the other end, or is it to actually be a little bit, bit more aggressive and, and you know play some shots and push the scoring rate along? So yeah, there's I think probably um, I think probably as a as a coach you're trying to you're trying to tailor it, you know everything to, to each individual. You can't come in with a blanket approach and say I just coach this way. You have to be able to be flexible, um, you know, and, and try and work out what each each player needs. And before we let you go, Peter, give us a realistic prediction on this World Cup for the Black Camps. Oh well, look, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, you know, I, well, I won't be surprised if we make the semi-finals um, because we've got a, we've got a really strong team um, and we've been playing some good cricket recently. So I won't be surprised if we make the semi-finals. But like, there's there's a lot of good teams there, and um, you know, it only takes one or two slip-ups against against teams that you should beat um, and, and you might or you know the odd the odd game gets washed out or something like that and you might find yourself on the outside looking in so yeah I, I, I think we'll make the semi-finals um, and from there um, you know on, on the day anyone can beat anyone something we do with um, with every guest and with every um, coach that we bring in we say look what's what's your best pro tip for young players or amateur players or club players what's the one best piece of advice you'd pass on to say someone like me well, it depends. I don't know. How good are you? I'm, 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 I'm old and rubbish, but I'm willing. Oh, we'll just keep it. Keep, in that case, then, just keep enjoying the game. Don't get, uh, don't get too caught up in the final result. Thanks very much for that, Peter. That was wonderful. Yeah, fab. fab. <laughs> cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Not a problem, guys. All right, we'll catch up with you again soon, I hope. Okay, cheers. Okay, cheers. Bye. Bye. That was the new Black Caps batting coach, Peter Fulton, and of course he'll take over after the World Cup. Well, we're running out of time. We've talked so much about cricket, uh, but before we head off, a couple more things. Sophie, for you, who should be stepping up in the team in the Black Caps this World Cup? Oh, look, I think you've got to go to your experienced core group of players, whether that's Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor in particular, Martin Gupta as well, I think, is someone who has played a lot of cricket and has performed, and we've seen at at the biggest stage, you know, you only have to look back to the last World Cup and some of his knocks were outrageous. So, look, I think a lot of a lot will depend on those three in particular with the bat and with the ball. Look, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey are, are going to be really important for the boys. Uh, add that to the swear jar, is it? Um, <laughs> you know, for, for, to leading the bowling side. Yeah, and it's nice to see Jimmy Neesham back as well. He joined us for our first episode uh, of Not Your Average Cricket Show when we were covering the women's T20, so that was kind of nice. Ben, for you, who are the leaders in our team? The leaders are obviously Williamson, Taylor, Bolt, Southey, um, those key guys. But you're going to need... Um, in, in this sort of tournament where runs are going to be uh, huge, I actually think a little bit more onus goes on how well your bowling unit performs, um, how well they can restrict, and that's where somebody like Bolt um, in potentially favourable conditions in England um, might do what he did at the last World Cup and be able to tear through the odd team. We've seen that combination of Bolt and Southey and sometimes Henry and, and co tear through teams in the past and... If they do that in one, two games, they win two games for you right there. Um, so I think our bowlers will actually be crucial in a World Cup, which the runs are probably going to break records. And who do we think might retire after the World Cup? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I guess if you look at the senior players, I won't say older because I'm probably one of those too. Um, <laughs> Hold on one sec. Aren't you under 30, Sophie? I am still. Yeah, I'm clinging so on for dear life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I think you look at Ross Taylor, but he's been in some pretty... 
ridiculous form the last couple of mm. years, so I think he'll want to keep going. But, yeah, I think I'd be surprised to see anyone really pull the pin. You have to imagine this is Ross Taylor's last World Cup, though. I can't quite see him in, uh, I don't know, 2023 playing there. No, I guess, though, there's the 2020 Men's World Cup next year in Australia, which might be his final swan song. You never know, but look, it's hard when you're playing as well as he is to, to hang up the bat. I would imagine with someone like Ross Taylor, he'd want to go to that 2020 World Cup, perform really well next year, and then you wouldn't begrudge him heading off onto the 2020 circuit and making some millions uh, possible for the last few years of his career because he's been an unbelievable servant for New Zealand. Uh, but other than that, you wouldn't expect anybody to be putting their bats in the back cupboard. That would uh, just be bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it will. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they go. And we talked to them. You know, talked about being a fantastic servant. I had the opportunity to talk to a huge public servant here in New Zealand, Helen Clark, right, Honourable Helen Clark. Uh, and uh, this month's Fair Play, I had a one-on-one interview with her to talk leadership, media coverage and how we can improve access to sport for women and girls. And she also had a message for the Black Caps. The Black Caps have taken us to the heights of elation and the depths of despair. Uh, so I think uh, just keeping the focus, every game uh, matters. Uh, sometimes I think in sport, people focus on the cup presentation after the game, which you never get to if you don't focus on the, on the game. So just you know, play every ball like it's the last one you've got to make your mark on. That's my advice. Oh! Former Prime Minister Helen Clark wishing the Black Caps well. What would, what would her spot be in a cricket team? Dog at opening bat? No, oh. she'd be a little wee medium pacer, I reckon, just on yeah. the money, accurate, just wouldn't give you an inch. <laughs> yeah, but in the field, she'd be chirping away at the batsmen too. She'd be right in their heads. <laughs> I reckon that's exactly right. Hey, Sophie, what's your pro tip, your best piece of advice for, let's, let's say not me, um, club players of some ability and kids coming up? Uh, thinking about it, it's probably not what you'd expect, but balance is something that I'm massive on, and whether that's, um, I guess, work-life sport balance I think even within sport something for me that has always been massive is the ability to go off and play other sports um, which I think actually adds to me when I do come back to say cricket for example I know I've played a lot of hockey in the past played a little bit of rugby this year actually and it's just been really nice not just physically to have a break from the the routine of cricket training but also mentally to be in a different environment I think you know especially to teenagers kids I'd just say go out there and play as many sports as you can because the benefits are, are massive. Nice one. What about you, Ben Strang? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think the main thing, I, I, I'm just playing cricket in Wellington now, just club cricket, but the main thing we talk about is is realising that your cricket game doesn't actually matter uh, at the end of the day. There's lots of things that happen outside of sport which actually matter. You know, you have guys uh, lose family members or, or whatever might happen outside of the field is what actually matters and what you're doing on a Saturday or Sunday is just a bit of fun with your mates and that you should just remember that and in years to come you're going to look back and think, man, that was that was great. We had a, a great time with the the lads or the boys, whatever it is. Sorry, hit me with the jar. Um, but that's that's what you that's that's what you're going to remember. So just enjoy it, soak it up, and don't sweat it if you you lose the odd game. It doesn't matter. That is very sage advice, and it's kind of I guess it's an ethos for not your average cricket show as well because we're here to have a bit of fun, and you know we don't take cricket too seriously. 
Just sometimes, right, Justin? <laughs> no comment, but I am from Canterbury, so... Well, and that's it for the first episode of the second season of Not Your Average Cricket Show. You can join us on Sunday the 2nd of June for full analysis of the Black Caps' first game against Sri Lanka. Thank you so much, Sophie Devine. It's lovely always having you in the studio with us. Thanks for having me. And Ben Strang. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Not Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by me, Zoe George, and Justin Gregory. The engineer is William Saunders. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to every episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show, the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And if you're on Apple, then please rate us by clicking on the ratings and review tab and then the stars. It's dead easy and it's really important to us because that way more people get to hear about what we're doing. And if you want to share your picks for the winner or tell us how we're doing, email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. Catch you later. Go the Black Caps. <laughs>